I am so glad you're here because today's episode is a good one. Now, if you are a woman or a man who has ever believed that women should not preach, you need this episode. If you are a woman or a man who has believed that men are the authority over women, you need to listen to this episode. In today's show, I have guest Sarah Jane Ho, who actually was on last week's episode where we covered lies women believe about relationships. And in today's, we are covering lies women believe about church. And those two are a couple that we tackle in today's program. And she she has... Um, education in theology, education in psychology, and so she is very well prepared to give us an educated response, and it is a good one. And honestly, stay till the very end, because at the end, she rattles off so many solid cases for why women are meant to be and are called to be leaders alongside of men, and that's how the body of Christ thrives. So you're going to want to listen to this. It's a great one. Send it to any woman that you know who has felt a call to ministry or has felt pain because she hasn't had a platform for her voice to her call to ministry. And while I'm mentioning that, I am a podcast coach. I started a podcast because I needed a platform for my voice because I'm called to ministry and could not find an avenue to teach the word and and use my gifts. And so my passion now is helping women and people build a platform through podcasting to get their voice into the world. If you are interested, I want you to head over to javawithjenpodcast.org to book a call with me ask some questions and see about getting you into my next round of podcast students, which starts in January. All right, so let's jump into today's episode. Let's go. Hi, you're listening to Java with Jen with your host, Jenna Lee Samuel. On this show, I bring the simplicity of hearing God's voice into everyday life in a no-nonsense, authentic, and super practical way. With coffee in hand and real life in our faces, let's do this. Also, before we dive in, I just wanted to apologize. Today's or this week's episode is going up two days late because I had technical issues. I let my followers know on Instagram what was up, but if you didn't see that story, I just wanted to let you know I apologize for the delay. But in good news, I was a guest on Sean Bowles' podcast, Exploring the Marketplace, this week, and that episode goes live mid-December, so stay tuned. Make sure you're following me on Instagram because that's where I put all my fun announcements and let you guys know what's going on. You can also make sure you're on my email list, um, which if you head over to javawithjenpodcast.com, so .org will take you to a phone call, .com will take you to my link tree. And on there, you can see how to get on my email list. And I actually let my email subscribers know secret things ahead of time when I won't let my social media followers know yet. So it is definitely the insider scoop. And so make sure you go get on my email list. You can look in the show notes. There are some links down there. I'll drop both of them down there so they're easy to figure out which one to go to. Okay, let's get into today's show. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for joining me again for another episode at Java with Jen. I have a repeat guest today, Miss Sarah Ho, who is a powerful woman of ministry, and she has all kinds of experience. I'm going to let her introduce herself, but if you missed her last episode where we covered lies that women believe about relationships, you're going to want to go back and listen to that. And in it, we kind of lightly touched on some of today's topic, which is lies women believe about church. And uh, there are a lot of misnomers in the Christian church that women shouldn't preach and women shouldn't be leaders and women 
all kinds of things that most of you have probably heard and maybe these um, beliefs has have even impacted your life directly. And so that's why I wanted to have Sarah on here so she could speak to this. And so Sarah, thanks for coming back. I'm so grateful to have you again. Hey, thanks for having me again, Jenny Lee. This has been awesome. I've loved, our, our last talk was really helped my heart because it was nice to hear that somebody had the same viewpoints. I just love talking about God in general. And so when I get to be with somebody that likes to do the same thing, it just brings up my spirit. It's, you know, that edification that we get from other believers. And so uh, just to share a little bit about myself, I am a wife to an incredible husband, a mother of four girls and one boy. I have an amazing son-in-law. He fits my daughter like I could never have asked for. And then they gave me my beautiful granddaughter. Um, all of them are joys to me, more specifically my granddaughter. She can do no wrong. She's only a year old and she's just amazing. So, um, that is my home life. Aside from that, I'm also a licensed professional clinical counselor. I own a business, a co co own a business with my friend Stacy, and we have therapists that work for us, um, three locations. And then I'm also a pastor at two churches, one in another country, and then one here in New Mexico. And, I'm just a lover of Jesus. And I just like telling other people about how great that relationship is for them because of how great it's been for me. That's amazing. So I just, my brain kind of like fritzes out when you tell me everything that you're doing, because I'm like pastoring one church in itself is a lot raising five kids in itself, which you're maybe not raising the fifth one at this point, your first one, uh, but doing all the things that you're doing and then pastoring two churches, like Oh my goodness. So the the church that you have in New Mexico, are you the senior pastor? Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. And do you have a staff? Is that how you're able to do all these things? No, currently it's a little home church. And so everybody does everything. Uh-huh. Uh, we actually have a building that we're going to be moving into, but it's not going to be like the cookie cutter version of church where it's like, you know, the, the same worship style band, the same lighting. It's, it's not going to be that it's going to be like a coffee house setting Mm -hmm. and everybody's going to be very casual. There's not going to be a front and center stage. It's going to be what Christ had with his disciples, where it was community that sat and just broke bread and he shared a little bit and then they discussed it. That's what it's going to be like. So that's that's what we do at my house currently, but we have a building that we're going to be moving into um, that is actually donated by my business. So um, it's a win-win and it's really nice to have that um, blessing from God. So that's amazing. I just love it because I feel like right out the gate, I see you shattering a number of glass ceilings that live over women, which is getting accomplished in business and, and being able to create a, a a lucrative business that helps you then fund what you're doing in ministry, aside from the fact that you're actually doing ministry pastoring as a woman. And so I'm just like, (laughs) I'm already inspired. So let's jump into this. So, uh, I wanted to talk to the women about, because I get questions all the time. In fact, my, my, my husband and I met a couple yesterday a girl that is, uh, my son is interested in. And so we met the parents and then, you know, the father was, was sharing that he went to, um, a Bible school. I won't say the name of it, but a Bible school that the, the man who runs the Bible school is known for being very anti-women in the church, very anti or not in the church, but in church leadership. 
And so I was like, sure all I, I could think of who it is. <laughs> yeah, all I can think of the co- is the comments he's made to Beth Moore about going home where you belong. And so yes. I was like, trying to compose. I was, I was like, Janelle, do not say anything that is controversial. Do not say anything that is controversial. And um, and so I just feel like women have come to me so many times frustrated. Um, they not only feel those ceilings, but they feel the limitations of those beliefs. And then they struggle over the fact that, hey, when I read the Bible. It looks like it's saying that women should not lead men. It looks like it's saying exactly what people have believed it to be saying. And so let's dive right into that one. Well, how did how did you tackle even some of those theological beliefs that seem very clear in scripture, limiting women and our ability to teach the word or be a leader in church? And how did you reconcile those, especially going into the roles that you fill now? I know this so is, I think it's I, a huge question right there. It so. is a huge question. I think I have to give you a tiny bit of a backstory first. Um, during our last session, I talked a little bit about my trauma as a teenager. And that trauma actually um, was so impactful in my life. Not that I wish any kind of trauma on anybody, but when it occurred, I saw things differently. Um, I wasn't being cared for within my church body like I believed a person who has trauma should be. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking to myself, this should be done so much better than this Mm -hmm. because I felt very neglected and like a dirty old used rag Mm -hmm. that nobody wanted to touch kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I just remember thinking to myself that this could be so much better. And the Holy Spirit actually convicted me saying, I'm birthing it in you to do it better. Mm -hmm. I'm birthing it in you. And at the time it didn't make any sense to me because, you know, I was damaged goods and I was from a denomination that, um, did not believe women could be ministers of any form whatsoever. So, you know, I had been told for decades that it wasn't possible and women couldn't preach, um, let alone be a a head pastor or leadership in any way. And so I just kind of brushed it aside and continued to do things my own way. But on my wedding day, which was uh, 20, a little over 20 years ago, I stood at the altar. The pastor told my husband to pray over our family. At the time, I had my two older daughters because they were from a previous marriage. And so it was the four of us standing at the altar and he was praying for us. And I actually silently prayed, you know, I don't want the damage to come into this relationship. Mm -hmm. And so Lord, make me the godly wife, godly mother and godly friend I'm supposed to be. And I will do anything, Mm -hmm. anything you ask. And so no matter what he laid before me, I was just like, I'm here, I'm doing it. I'm yours. And so I began, I began to study the Bible because uh, I needed answers to things that I was told were true because they were in the Bible, but I never had the opportunity to really, you know, dive deep, dive deep and figure out why that felt different in my heart. What was, um, why was I being so convicted by something that somebody else told me for years that was in the Bible and not just the women issue. I mean, the women issue was the the first thing that was like, I have to, I have to answer this question. Yeah. But I mean, there was other things like holidays that people are against and, and, um, community type events, just there was other things that I had questions about. And so I began to dive into the Bible and learn some things that were very interesting to me, but more specifically, 
it made me want to go back to school. And so I went and I got my bachelor's degree in biblical studies and still at that time, I was still told it's not possible. So I thought, okay, well, if I can't be a pastor, which is what I felt like God was telling me to do, what could I do to help pastor people? And so I got my master's degree in public, uh, professional counseling mm -hmm. and thought, you know, at least I could use this as a career if I can't ever be a pastor, I can use it in some way. And then I went to seminary and completed seminary. And that was online because of the seminaries that have in person, they still would not allow women to attend. And so I did an online seminary and completed it. It was awesome, but it showed me what we were missing and how we weren't interpreting the word of God correctly. Um, it was very eye-opening. And so in doing that, I started to believe that it was possible. I became a youth at the time I was called a youth leader, mm -hmm. uh, but there was no youth pastor. I did the conducting of everything. So I was the youth leader of this group at a church. And there was this young teenage boy that was in my youth. Uh, his name was Trey. I still am in contact with him. He is a grown adult man. But when he was a, when he was a youth, he started playing drums and this young boy, when he was a baby, he was in his mom's womb. He had no arm on one side mm -hmm. and his mom was asked to abort him. Wow. And his mom's like, I'm not going to do that because God wouldn't allow me to do that. There's hope for my son. And, and she prayed and felt convicted that he had a life waiting for him. Mm -hmm. And so many people told him he couldn't do stuff and he wanted to play the drums. Now, a normal person takes two arms. Yeah. And Trey has figured out how to play the drums better than almost any drummer, except maybe, you know, like a rock band right. could play. And even then he could hold his own. Mm -hmm. And he is outstanding. I sit and watch him in amazement, even as a teenager, but now as an adult, he's still doing it. Wow. But even as a teenager, I just was amazed at how... He stood up to those that said he couldn't and proved that God had him and knew his capabilities. And so it was seeing his space that he took up that made me realize God has space for me to take up in the, in the calling that he has given me. So I kept pressing forward and <clears throat> meeting new people and ultimately, you know, became a youth pastor somewhere. And then the women's pastor, and then the associate pastor, and now I'm a head pastor. And, and um, you know, aside from that, just like you said, I also have a very successful business. Again, something that somebody told me was impossible because uh, as a child, I had dyslexia and didn't learn well. And now I'm leading a multi-million dollar business. So um, these are God's way of saying, don't look at the obvious let me show you what I can do with the lack you have because of how great I am kind of thing. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. So how did you like, and maybe, I don't know if we want to address even specific. I know that Timothy has some passages that speak to women, not leading men or whatever. Yeah. And so how did you deal with, I mean, you kind of already shared how you dealt with the naysayers was you just said, well, let's just let's just do what's in my heart. Let's just do it. You know, people are going to sure. say what they're going to say. 
But how did you, in your own mind, because from your story, if I'm understanding correctly, it seemed like you even believed those principles for a time of like, okay, women can't do this, but you just couldn't sure. reconcile what was happening on the inside. How did you sure. make peace with those scriptural principles? Because clearly, if you want to be a pastor, you also want to be biblical. And so how did you make peace with those things that appeared biblical, but maybe weren't? Uh, what did well, you I mean, that had to do with how I studied the word. When when I learned how to study the word and I saw um, the context, culture, and content that people missed, they were reading just for black and white, I was able to see what was actually going on with more specifically Paul's letters. Yeah. And um, so it, it opened my eyes to things. And, and not to mention the fact that the first thing I always do is really ask the Holy Spirit. If you give me peace for something, then I know I'm in the right direction. If you don't give me peace, then I need to back off. And so there's been lots of times, I mean, even with the church that's in the other country, that the Lord gave me great peace about what was happening, despite what other people were saying. Because ultimately in my heart, this is how I reconciled it. There's going to be a day that every single person is going to stand before the Lord and have to explain mm -hmm. what they did or didn't do. Mm -hmm. And I would much rather just, again, reconciling it in my brain. I would much rather stand before the Lord and say, you know what, Lord, I missed the mark. I'm not, I wasn't supposed to preach as a female having spoken about him my entire life than to go to him and say, wow, God, I'm so sorry I missed the mark and didn't speak about you like I should have. Yeah. Because just the thought of that aches me so much. Yeah. It grieves my spirit, just like the Holy Spirit talks about don't grieve the spirit. It grieves my spirit yeah. to know that I could have missed an opportunity to share who he was with others. I don't want to ever have to go before his throne and say that I didn't. Yeah. I would rather say that I did and maybe might not have been right. Yeah. Absolutely. Much right. I love that. So and, sorry, that's how I reconcile it. Well, and I, I, I'm reminded of, um, I have two thoughts here. I'm reminded of Chris Valentin when he wrote his yes. book, Fashion to Rain. Is that what it's called? Fashion to yes. Rain? Um, yes. So Chris yes. Valentin, for anyone who's listening and you're like, I need something substantial so I can tear this apart myself and study it myself. Chris Valentin's book, Fashion to Rain, he tears apart and breaks down all the different passages that are limiting to women. And it takes you into what she was talking about, about the culture, the context, and the timing, right? Is that the three things, culture, context? Culture, content, and um, culture, content, and context context yeah and so he goes through all of those because like yesterday well okay let me finish that thought sorry chris valentin said that when he was teaching for the first time he had you know written this book and done 400 hours of research and and pulled apart these scriptures and found all kinds of things about the culture that made the scriptures make more sense and all the things and he was preaching it and he said there was a woman who came up to him and she was like 70 and she was sobbing because she had been, she had felt the call of God inside of her to preach and pastor. She had been teaching the word because it was inside of her, but she always felt condemned thinking, surely I'm doing something wrong. But she was doing what was in her heart, but she felt condemned the whole time. And so when he taught this, she, she suddenly found freedom from the burden that this religious belief had placed on her her whole entire life. Yeah. Can you imagine living 70 years, feeling compelled to preach and your mind accusing you the whole time? Oh, right, and so right. I was just like, thank you, Chris, for the work you're doing. But anyway, so yesterday when we were, uh, my 
my other son and I were driving home from the lunch, you know, we got on the topic about women in ministry and because, you know, he had, um, I mentioned about the school that the other gentleman had gone to. And, and so Benjamin was like, well, what does the Bible actually say? And so I broke down from the idea of culture context. And, and, and I know I have caught myself too taking the word of God, just literally, especially when we mm-hmm. find inspirational <laughs> passages in Isaiah, you know, and, and this is beautiful passage. I will give you the hidden secrets in the dark, you know, hidden secrets yeah. for you or hidden treasures. And then I'm like, wait, he's talking to Cyrus because he wanted Cyrus to free Israel, you know? And so like looking at the context, it changes everything. So in talking to Benjamin, I was like, Benjamin, let's say you go to daddy. And you have a conversation with dad and you're asking him about, you know, you're grounded and you're making an argument or whatever. And you have a conversation with dad. Well, let's say I overhear you and I take one sentence out of that conversation and I take it over here and I try to apply it to your brother, Judah. I was like, will that make sense? And he's like, no, it's totally different person in a totally different conversation. And I'm like, exactly. And I said, a lot of people do that with the Bible. They will eavesdrop on a conversation Paul was having with the church of whoever, and they take out one passage and apply it to Joe Schmo over here in the 21st century. And I was like, it's possibly a very different application or very different purpose that he would be meaning it for. And so Benjamin was like, oh, and so I I, I felt like that was the most simple way to help him understand. You have to consider what the original intent was of the author, who they're talking to, and da, da, da. So all of that said, how does the average person, we talked about this a little bit in our last episode, but how does the average person simply look at those things and understand, oh, I am understanding this correctly? Because even when I read that passage, like last night, I came across um, Isaiah 45 to King Cyrus. I'm like, do I have a right to take that promise and that God has given me secret treasures in darkness? Can I take that for myself or is that just for him? You know, so how do people take what they read in scripture and know what can I take as a promise for myself and what is actually not relevant for me or I should be using it differently? Right. So, I mean, it's first and foremost, the Holy Spirit's going to be the one that's going to tell you. And to do that, you have to have a connection with him by communicating with him, praying to him asking for advice. Every time I open up the Bible, the first thing I do is like, I know there's something in here for me specifically. And whether it's, you know, that I have to use it or I have it to share with somebody who's needing it either way, it's specifically for me to gain that day. Mm -hmm. And so I open my word that way. Um, I also use soil, which is what I talked about last time. Um, it's a tool that the Holy Spirit specifically gave me to figure out how to separate um, the the reading style or, or how to gain the information as opposed to black and white. Because really and truly, if we take the Bible as black and white, then we have to take all of the Bible as black and white. And there are some things in there, like <clears throat> I think I shared this with you, not in our recording, actually, just in our conversation about, uh, I want to say it was in Proverbs. I'm almost positive where they're comparing the, um, which Proverbs is one that confuses people because it's a book of wisdom and we read it like black and white. And so they're comparing, um, the enticement of a hunter to his prey 
as the enticement of a husband to his wife, but they're using a very specific term. That's like, if you called your wife that she might slap you. Yeah. <laughs> so, so don't say the black and white version, see it as the metaphor it was meant to be. Or even like when we read the uh, Proverbs 31 woman, some women read that and they're like, there's no way on earth I'm ever going to live up to this. Who are who could possibly be this woman? I used to hate the Proverbs 31. Oh. I was like, oh, it's impossible. Yes. Yeah, so when I first read it, I'm like, there's no way God's ever going to do this in me. But when I started reading it for the content that was in there, the culture, the context, everything that was happening, I realized this was a mom who was explaining to her son what to look for in a woman. And it was a culmination of different traits from women she had seen that created this this uh picturesque version mm. and not that it was one woman it was a culmination of greatness from other women that you should be uh, you know striving to achieve in a spouse yeah. and it wasn't a instant thing the moment you get married this is the woman you're going to be this is growth over time yeah so when people read that at first glance, black and white, you're like, I can never compete with that. I can never live up to those expectations. But when you start to read it for the culture, context, and content that it was written in, you start to understand, I just need to continue to grow. And here's another area that I could work on. And so it gives you like a guideline of things that may be lacking that you can work to perfect or at least, you know, do better at so that you could be closer to what her idealistic partner would have been for her son. Yeah, I agree. I think that, um, like otherwise places in the old Testament, I mean, the old Testament is full of all kinds of crazy, you know, like circumcision, which I mean, yeah, that's still an exercise practice, but, or, um, you know, like women should never cut their hair that's there in the old Testament and, or even the fact that men married multiple wives, (laughs) I don't think we want to go back to that, (laughs) you know? And so Mm -hmm. you're right. Like we have to be able to, and when you look at a passage and you can consider who they're talking to and you almost, almost imagine like you're eavesdropping on a conversation and thinking, what is he trying to tell him? Like, what are they trying to get across to those people? And Mm -hmm. then, so one thing we teach our kids is what does this tell you about God? What does this tell you about yourself and, Mm -hmm. and what principles here are relevant to apply? And so if you look at it through the lens of what does this tell you about God's nature, then you can kind of almost look at it more objectively and say, oh, well, then it's important to God that a woman is someone who cares for her family, that she maybe is entrepreneurial and resourceful, whatever that could look like, you know? And so then you can kind of extract principles without feeling like it's a, a litmus test of, am I, am a good enough woman, you know? And so, um, and yeah, go ahead. It, you know, listen, if you, if you don't reach the Holy spirit with your questions, you could totally easily read things for black and white and, and take the naysayers at, at face value. Um, I was able to start a church in a country that is very anti-Christianity, very um, mm, single religion driven. (laughs) And um, this, this church 
are just thriving. I, you know, I can't, do you mind if I tell the story really quick about no, Pakistan? Ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So it's, it's a bizarre story. And I promise if you hang in there, you'll see the Holy spirit. But at first hearing of it, it's like, whoa, red flags. <laughs> um, I have a small social media following that, um, message me and, and chat with me. And, uh, I had this couple that reached out to me through Instagram and asked me if I would, you know, do a video chat with them one day. And I was just like, sure, I guess. I mean, I don't, why would you want to talk to me? And I got in this video chat and the husband and wife were talking about Pakistan and the, the area that they're from and that <clears throat> Christians are persecuted, but more specifically that women can't go to church. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, what, why? why couldn't they go to church? That doesn't make any sense to my American ears. Yeah. And they said, well, in our country, women can't go to church unless they're with their husbands. So if they're, if their husbands are deceased and they're widows, if they're single, if their husbands don't believe in God, if they are not with them, they cannot go into a church building, even though women and men sit totally separate. Like they have a female side and a male side, but you cannot go into a church where a man is teaching you without your husband there because only your husband could educate you well enough to make you understand what the other man is saying in the room. And I was just like, are we back in Bible times? What is going on? I could not, I could not fathom what they were telling me. And so this, the female, her name is Lubna. She's very sweet. Um, she asked if I would be willing. She, she had said that she had been following my social media for a while. And she loves all the verses and the, um, I was doing, it was called Wednesday's word. I was doing videos live about dissecting the word of God in a deeper way. And she was just loving what I had to say. And she's like, would you be willing to start a church and lead it? And I'll translate for you. And I said, let me pray about it because in my mind, I'm like Pakistan. mm." And I said, what would this entail? And she's like, well, to get people to come to church, we have to feed them. And so depending on how many people are coming, it could be, you know, close to $70 a week for food because of how many people are coming. And, uh, she said, you know, right now we have several villages that I've talked to that really want to, but I, I don't preach. I'm happy to translate for you, but I don't know the word of God well enough to preach to people. And she's like, I would like to also have chairs. So she, we're on zoom the whole time and she's showing me her house. And there was this area that's just concrete. And she's like, I'd like to have chairs for the older ladies to sit in. I would like to have an easel so I can write the Bible verses in our language up for them. I'd like to have a phone holder so I can put the phone attached so they can see your face while you're preaching to them. And I said, what is this all going to cost? And we looked online and, and it was pretty cheap. If I purchased it here, the problem is, is in other countries, when you ship things over there, they have um, shipping costs that they have to pay when they pick it up yeah. um, through the, uh, the, gosh, I don't know what it's called, but like the exchange over there, they they make you pay another cost to pick it up. Yeah. And there is like the probability of very, yes, there's a really high probability that they will go through your stuff. And if they feel like it's something they want to keep, they can just keep it. Yeah. So it didn't make sense for me to purchase it and have it shipped. Mm -hmm. And so we thought, well, what would it cost if you guys bought it in your side? Just tell me what it is and and I'll pray about it. It ended up being 
that the food for that weekend, as well as the stuff would total, I think it was $300. I think at, at the end of the day, I think it was $300. And I said, let me pray about this. And I went home and I prayed and I'm just like, Lord, that's a lot of money. Mm -hmm. I mean, $300 is still $300. I could, yeah. and I started naming off things I could do with $300 in my head. I'm like, I could do this. I could do that. And the Holy Spirit's like, but it's been for my kingdom. And you specifically prayed to me that you wanted a church to preach at. You wanted to be able to do what I called you to do. And I'm giving you an opportunity to do what you call, I called you to do. I just need you to take a leap of faith. This is the, this is the internal dialogue that I was having with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And I said, you know, I'm just trying to rationalize it. I'm just like, yeah, I know Lord, but it's $300. What if they take it and I never see it again? And what if, what if like, they're just totally scamming me and the Holy yeah. Spirit's like, the Holy Spirit's like, I didn't ask you what they would do with it. I asked you to do what I have called you to do. Wow. And he reminded me of two things. Number one, he reminded me, do you remember what you said on your wedding day? So anytime I start to question the Holy Spirit, he's like, do you remember that conversation we had on your wedding day? <laughs> So he reminded me of that. And then, excuse me, he reminded me of, um, I had had a conversation a couple years earlier with somebody that was in my car. They saw a man on the side of the road with a sign that says, you know, anything helps, you know, please give us some money for food. And I reached out with some, a couple of dollars in my hand and reached out to the guy and I closed the window and the person with me was like, why would you do that? You're just going to spend it, spend it on booze. And I said, I can't be responsible with what they do. I can only be responsible with what the Holy Spirit tells me to do. Mm -hmm. And then he deals with them. So the Holy Spirit reminded me of that conversation I had. I said, oh, okay, I will go. Fine, I will go. So I went down, mind you, you can't send it through PayPal or anything that really could be tracked in any way whatsoever. You have to send it through Western Union. Uh -huh. So here's all these little red flags that are going off in my head. I'm going, Lord, I'm never going to see this much but I hear you. So I'm going to go down to Western union. I went to Western union and for whatever reason, it wasn't working that day. So I was like, okay, that, there you go. That's my answer. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I get in the car and he's like, but there's other Western unions. So I went to another one and it worked. Uh -huh. I get back in my car and I'm almost about ready to hyperventilate because I'm thinking about the fact that I literally just sent $300 to some stranger in another country that I have no idea who these people are and they're probably scammers and I start heavy breathing <laughs> I turn on my car and the first time the song ever was played in the United States it was called build a boat by Colton Dixon mm -hmm. started playing wow. and it it was the the release on our radio was that time that I opened up turn on my car Colton Dixon started singing build a boat and I just do the ugly snot crying because oh. the Holy Spirit's like, I convicted him to build a boat in a time when rain wasn't even heard of when floods weren't even known. And he did what I told him to do and great things happened out of his obedience. I'm telling you to build your boat. And so I'm doing the ugly snot cry in yeah. the car and I'm like, Oh, Hey, you know, <laughs> and I start to drive home. I, it was like three o'clock in the afternoon and I knew that I wouldn't hear from them because Pakistan is actually, um, the opposite side of the world. Yes. It's, I think it's 11, I think it's 11 hours difference. Um, and so for their 5 PM, it's 6 AM to me, mm. I think. So yes. 
Um, and so I sent it off and I'm like, they're not, they're not going to respond. It's like 2 AM over there or two, whatever time it was. And so I just let it go. I went to sleep the next morning. I get up and I get this message saying, can you get on video? And I got on video and Luna's crying. She turns the camera around. She shows me all the chairs. She shows me the easel. Yes. They went shopping the moment they got it. The easel, the little holder for the phone. She was so excited. She was just screaming hallelujahs, like just so excited. And um, my first day preaching to Pakistan was October 1st. Um, Actually, it might've been the third. It was last year, October, the first Saturday of the of the month and I preach at 6 a.m. my time. So I get up and get ready at Saturday morning at 6 a.m. so that I could preach 5 p.m. to them. And I have been doing it for an entire year and we have done things. um, So besides sending them money for food every week, they, they each have a meal after I'm done preaching, Mm -hmm. they eat their food and I'm on zoom the whole time. So I'm seeing their faces while I'm preaching to them. I also, they turn the camera towards the food so I could pray over the food before they eat it. And so I'm real time seeing all this, but not just food at Christmas time, we got, we had enough money raised to send each family a pantry box of non-perishable groceries. We got each female, a brand new dress at Easter time and pantry groceries at Christmas. All the kids got brand new shoes and the pantry items. Um, we have one village. So right now there's three that attend weekly. And then there's one that attends once a month. At one time we had nine, but I couldn't afford nine. So we had to drop it back down to three. Um, but we have one village that attends once a month because they're the farthest one away. And so Lubna and her husband drive two and a half hours to them once a month, take me along. And then I preach to them and then they go home. And so, uh, at, um, I think it was, two months ago. So they got the Easter stuff as well. But two months ago, there was a lot of infection. They live in a very poor village that doesn't see doctors and there's infection going around in the lady areas. And so we purchased all new undergarments as well as cleaning supplies for them, as well as monthly product supplies. And they were just blown away that some basically white woman in the United States would help support them being clean again. And so it's blessed my heart, but that started. And in that, the Lord told me, I am the Paul to the Timothy. So at some point, Timothy's going to rise and take over Pakistan. Mm -hmm. Right now I'm teaching the community, trying to find a Timothy Mm -hmm. and it'll rise. In the meantime, he's like, but I have a church here for you. And so we had been at another church that believed women because times have changed a little bit and they believe women could preach. Mm -hmm. They believe women can be pastors, but they do not believe women could lead as a pastor. And so they ended up stepping down and had no intent of me taking over the church, even though we were the associate pastors. Um, They were okay with me being the preaching pastor so long as my husband got to make all the decisions. And so we felt that the, yes, we felt the Holy Spirit. I know we felt the Holy Spirit tell us it's time. It's time to step away and do what he's called us to do. And so 
we left the church when they stepped down and another couple came in. We, we left the church having given our notice, obviously, but, um, left the church and started, it's called our place. And it's here in New Mexico right now. It's at my home as a home church. We have a building that we're going to be going into, but, um, it's a community of people that felt like they were either kicked out of church or they felt like the church wasn't caring for them the way they should, or they just weren't getting fed enough. And so they are here with me every Sunday evening. And so I have the two churches and had I not listened to Holy spirit, none of these things would have been possible. Had I not been honed in enough in who he is in my life and just listened to the naysayers, two different versions of communities would have been left without a pastor. Wow. That's crazy. So a, I love that you're willing to do I just love that you're willing to follow the Lord's leading. I feel like that's the moral of the whole story, which is the whole messaging of my podcast to begin with is hearing God's voice for everyday life. Like we can't, if you didn't know how to hear God's voice for just your daily things that arose, you know, okay, here's this situation, Lord, what do I do about it? Okay, here's this situation. What do I do about it? That's daily life. And so you hearing the Lord's voice for those circumstances has ultimately led you into a journey where you're doing right now, what you're doing and who knows what your life will look like in 10 years. You may still be doing these things. You may be doing something else, but the whole point being that we don't, I mean, the, even the Bible says like tomorrow's not promised. You don't know what tomorrow holds. Like all he says is I will be a lamp into your feet, a light into your path. And so you're taking a step at a time. So what would you say to get back to the main, I don't want to make a promise that, Hey, you guys are going to hear about the, the top lies women believe about the church and we never get yeah. to it. So, <laughs> yeah. so what are the top three lies that you feel like you see women believing in the church about the church that that maybe then you can share with us maybe three scriptures that or three um truths that you have learned with the lord that undermine those lies and kind of shed light on the truth yeah um well i mean one of the biggest ones is kind of like we say well not we but has been said over the years that women should be seen and not heard that's been said about kids but churches say that about women um, women should be seen and not heard, um, you know, because they're seen as less than women are allowed to serve, but only with a man over them. That's another lie that I've heard. Um, a woman's voice or opinion is not nearly as important as a man's. Most of this is taken, um, because people are, most of this is believed because people take Bible verses out of context. And there, there's really obvious ones like the, the most obvious ones um, have to do with women not leading, that men have to lead. So all of these things are a man is above you. Yeah. All of these lies are because a man needs to be above you. And it's because of verses that state things that um, have been taken out of context. So there's there's a verse in Ephesians, uh, Ephesians 1.22. It says that the man is the head over all things, but in the church, but that's actually not accurate. Um, that is King James version. I kind of hinted to this last time. King James was a chauvinist who could not fathom that the Lord was using the word human 
And because we're in that era that King James was, men were in control. Therefore, it couldn't possibly be man and woman because that would give equal rights to women. Mm. So he changed it when he translated it to man. And um, it there's only per, one person that's the head over all. Um, Christ is the head over the church. Mm-hmm. Christ. Yeah. Ephesians 5.23 says that Christ is the head over the church as husband's is the head of his wife. Now, some translations use man over woman, man over wife, but it's husband over wife. If I were to enter into your house and my husband and I were to enter into your house and my husband started telling you how to work in your home, your husband would come unglued. Yeah. (laughs) Because that's his household. He is the head of his household. So it's not man over woman because then that would be all men control all women. And that's not how it is. No. Christ was saying, I am the lover, the carer, the protector, the guide for the church, just like a husband should be the lover, the carer, the protector, the guide for his household. He was using it as a comparison thing. Christ is the one that controls that, not man. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, it also says in Colossians um, 2.10 that he is the rule and authority over all, mm-hmm. not man. Right. Um, they use the Bible verse about deacons being man of one wife and sober-minded, but it's okay. totally taken. Oh, sorry. Well, no, I want to pause you there because when okay. I have gotten online and talked about, hey, I'm going to have a podcast episode about women in the mm-hmm. church and blah, blah, blah. A lot of times it's women who are like, um... I believe women can preach, but I believe the head pastor should always be a man because I believe that men should be in charge. And sometimes I think one of the lies that is believed is that men make better leadership decisions because women are emotional. Um, And I, that frustrates me. I'm like, oh, so you guys are all essentially saying that women are illogical because we have emotions. Newsflash, men have emotions too. And a lot of times women are better at regulating their emotions than men are. So let's just remember that. But anyway, so back to what you're saying um, about, uh, I forgot what you were saying, but it was important. Keep going. I'm sorry. It's okay. (laughs) Deacon of one wife and sober-minded. Yes. And they use that word deacon as Yes, they use that word deacon as the word pastor, uh-huh. meaning not pastor in pastoring a group, meaning pastor as being the head over the church. Mm-hmm. And that's in First Timothy. It's First Timothy 3, and the whole story is 1 through 12. But the purpose of that is not to say male versus female. It's actually to describe a character quality. Mm-hmm. And so they used male. Paul was very specific in using a husband because in that culture the men were excuse me the ones doing leadership because the women stayed at home or because they were uneducated or from a different denomination that didn't understand christianity Mm -hmm. and so he pointed out that if somebody's going to lead they have to be somebody who has great more moral character and he used very specific things like not being an adulteress he said a man of one wife meaning we're not having a polygamous kind of relationship. We're not having multiple wives. That's not okay. We're being sober-minded, meaning we're not letting anything else come into our mind that's going to cloud our judgment. Mm -hmm. He was talking about our character, Mm -hmm. but he was using a man specifically because that was what was in a culture at that time. Not because men are the ones that are supposed to lead. Mm 
He was using the husband and the wife as an example instead of saying female versus male. And so he was using that as an example because of what was going on at the time. It's the same with when he uses the example of a female not talking. Um, we don't have to go deep into that, but when he's talking about how women cannot speak and not teach men, he's not saying women cannot. He's saying people who teach false doctrine cannot. And at that time in that culture, the women were. And it's because Paul was very specific and said, don't marry outside of your faith. But these men married outside of their faith because they saw these beautiful women and they couldn't fathom that it would be bad to marry somebody that I'm attracted to. So therefore I'm going to go outside of my faith and marry these attractive women. And now I'm being taught about pagan religions. And so they married these pagan women who are teaching pagan religion. And so the question was brought up to Paul, how do I deal with this? And so he used the women as an example of that culture that, that you don't teach false doctrine. I don't care who you are. If you're the one that's teaching false doctrine, you need to be quiet. Yeah. But we've taken it as black and white to say women specifically have to shut up. Wow. They're not supposed to talk. And so there's, you know, that anyways, that one, it was in first Timothy, the deacon one. Um, he's very specific to, to address this character quality because he, he wants people to understand that in a role of leadership, you have to be held to a higher accountability. You have to show that you're representing Christ to others. And if you have all these things that are going on in your life, it's going to cloud the view of people that are trying to get advice from you. Like, how can I get advice from you when you're doing this? <laughs> yes. um, yeah. And so he's, he's very specific about their quality. Um, Paul is also very specific about meeting people in their culture. That's why he's using those as examples because he's meeting them where they're at. Mm -hmm. He's, he's seeing the culture that he's entered into and he's saying, okay, in this space, this is how I need to address it to where they connect with what I'm saying. Yeah. Just like in the verse in Proverbs about the hunter who sees his prey, he's talking when, when the author's writing about that, he's trying to address how a husband should be enticed and feeling pleasure about their spouse and, and being excited to see their spouse. And they use the term of hunter versus prey, not those exact words, but that reasoning to connect the dots because who he's talking to is a bunch of hunters, mm. like people that are out there trying to make food for, for their family to survive. Mm -hmm. And so Paul does the same thing. He's using that culture and meeting them where they're at to teach them about what leadership is supposed to look like, how you're supposed to be living mm -hmm. so that you can take care of that society yeah. that you're in. So good. You know, all those lies center around those things that yeah. we are, we're taking black and white at face value instead of what it was meant to represent. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you, um, that you addressed the idea of like, it is not man over woman. It is husband over wife, because I know for years, I just, my brain just went there. You know, it said Christ <laughs> is the head of the church as, you know, husband is the head of the wife. But I think the translation I read must have said <clears throat> as man is the head over woman or something somehow yeah. I ended up there yes. and um and and I realized that it, it set me up for some really screwy um dynamics with my own pastor 
you know, because I had situations where a pastor would uh, speak into my life and, and it was maybe not in alignment with what the Lord was speaking to my life, or maybe it Mm -hmm. didn't align with where my husband and my conviction was. And it caused me so much confusion because I was Mm -hmm. like, but he's my head. And it was almost like I had a mentality of check your brain at the door, kind of like how people approach the medical system sometimes like, oh, you don't need it. Just trust the doctor, you know? And it was almost like a check your brain at the door idea. Um, But I realized after wrestling through a lot of complicated dynamics with, with my pastor, then it may, I just finally settled in the place. I was like, you know what? My husband is my head. And if he and I are in agreement, that's where I land, you know? And I, that's exactly correct. Yeah. And, and so I finally was like, I don't have to, in fact, uh, I think it's first John second, first John, maybe talks about how nobody's voice replaces the Holy Spirit's voice. It right. talks about false teachers and how no one replaces the Holy Spirit. And so uh, if we as women are looking at men to be some kind of stand-in um, voice in our life, like the Holy Spirit, well, that can get kind of unhealthy, even even your husband, because husbands aren't perfect. You know, now I do think there's a grace on their lives to be a voice of leadership in our life. And there there is value in staying under their authority, under their leadership. But sometimes that means you have a few conversations to get to a place of agreement. You know, we don't just check our brains at the door because, I mean, my husband has been out of alignment at times with what the Lord was doing in my life. And so I'd have to put a fleece out for the Lord, um, be like, Mm -hmm. okay, Lord, I'm not going to tune out my husband's voice, but I don't feel like it resonates with what you're telling me. And so I'd put out a fleece and be like, Lord, if I do what my husband is saying, do it this way. If I do what I feel like you're saying, do it this way. And every time he would confirm the fleece. And so I'd have to go back to my husband and say, honey, I'm sorry, but this is what I hear the Lord saying. And so he would have to then relinquish and be like, okay, then I'm going to trust you're listening to the Holy spirit, you know? And so man is human and man is aired. And there is a grace still in being submitted to your husband, but that transference of authority does not transfer to any other male in your life (laughs) than your husband. (laughs) And so, right. We ran into the same thing with the church we were at before the, the head pastors were, um, uh, for lack of a better word against what I felt the Holy spirit was calling me to do. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, actually outright asked who's going to be your head covering. If your husband's not the head pastor, who's going to be your head covering. And I, I just very, without even hesitating was like Christ because that's what the word of God says. And I follow the word of God and it says Christ. And I told them if Christ is calling me to do something, if God is telling me this is something I have to do Mm -hmm. and my husband and I are one in that understanding, those are the only two people that I'm held accountable for. Yeah. Now, do I believe that God put specific people as pastors over churches and and they're, they're ordained to do that. I absolutely do. Mm -hmm. I also know that again, like you said, men are fallible people, not just men, people are fallible and make mistakes. And therefore there are times that even a pastor will say something that is pride driven or that is um, misinterpreted scripture driven. Mm -hmm. And I'm still at the end of the day, going to see what the Holy Spirit wants me to do because I'm not accountable for them. Yeah. I'm accountable for what I choose to listen or not listen to what the God, what the Holy Spirit is telling me, yeah. God's true words to me. 
And so even if they are my head pastor, if it's not in line with what the Holy Spirit's telling me, and I feel convicted by him and have talked to my husband, then I am going to back out of that situation because I'm not going to be held accountable to their, their intentions or, um, reasoning behind the decisions that they make. Yeah. So, I mean, the same thing happened to us. It does happen. Yeah, I know. I had, I was so grateful. There was a, there was an experience I'd had where I'd received a prophetic word from, I mean, a prophet I'd never seen before. He didn't know me, didn't know him, whatever, but it was such a clear, powerful prophetic word. It gave me so much comfort. And it was about the mandate on my life to both business and ministry. And it was the first prophetic word I've gotten that confirmed what the Lord was growing in me. Right. And so as I had, and I was in a season of building my business. And so we were pastors together. My husband and I, we were both considered pastoral staff, um, mm-hmm. but I was leaning a lot into my business. And so I was not at the church much. I was not helping there a whole lot because I was just in this season of building my business. And the pastor's wife um, was overwhelmed, you know, and she she had an assumption or she felt like because my husband was her husband's right-hand man. I think she had an assumption that I would have been her right-hand man. And um, when I wasn't able to be at the church much, you know, she directly told me, she's like, I think you're putting your business over God's call on your life, you know? And she had some, um, some opinions about how I was spending my time and, and where I was putting my energy. And had I not gotten that prophetic word about like, Hey, you will have a foot in both and not everyone will understand this, but that's okay. Um, I was equipped with the confidence to be able to, go back to her and say, you know what? I understand you're overwhelmed and I'm sorry, I can't be your right-hand man, but that doesn't mean I'm out of alignment with the Lord just because you don't like what I'm doing. And, and, but I did, I did as a test, I said, Lord, I don't want to tune her voice out because of her position in my life. So here's my fleece. You show me what needs to happen. And the Lord literally pulled a miracle to confirm that I was on the right path so that it assured my heart, continue doing what you're doing. She's going to have to reconcile the fact that she's overwhelmed and she needs a solution, you know? And so eventually she came around and she just realized, okay, these are Jen's boundaries and this is just where she's at. And so I had to know though, what the Lord was asking of me to be able to have those lines. And um, anyway, so I feel like that's, I share that because I feel like for my listeners that if they've ever been caught up in a space where they've elevated the voice of leadership or the voice of anyone um, above the Holy Spirit's leadership in their life, then um, to not be afraid to reevaluate and even put a fleece mm-hmm. before the Lord and let him do it directly. Yeah. Um, and so anyways, that's a little bit off topic of our topic, but anyway, so why don't you, since we're, we're at our hour and I want to get you on to the rest of your day, um, what are some resources that you can share with my listeners um, or that you could point them to, even if it's not your own book, if you know of a book that if they want to dive deeper in this topic that you would recommend, why don't you go ahead and share that? Yeah. Um, so man, I could, I'm currently doing a, um, women's ministry Bible study, not Bible study, book club. Mm -hmm. And so all the ladies are going through several books right now. We're in thick skinned by Claude Hamilton. Um, but we've read fashion to rain. That was the first one by Chris Fulton and then no more holding back by Kat Armstrong. Um, over the next few months, we're going to read, um, every woman theologian, and I always mess her name up, mess her name. It's uh, Felicia Masonheimer, I believe. Um, when Women Lead by Carolyn Moore. 
Don't Look Back by Christine Kane and Lioness Arising by Lisa Bevere. Those are the books that were in our book club that are very specific to women in ministry. Um, but I mean, there's tons of books that you can read. I think ultimately um, my best uh, advice is going into the word and seeing what the Lord says about you. The curse wasn't just broken for men. The curse was broken for women. We have the promise in John three sixteen that everybody knows. And yet when it comes to women leading, it's like, it doesn't apply to women. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, knowing that, that God has called everyone to deliver his message that, um, Christ told his disciples, actually, this is one of my favorite passages. It's in Mark, um, Mark 9, 38, I believe through 41. Um, he, he tells his disciples, they come to him and say, you know, we stopped this person from doing miracles in your name because he wasn't one of us. And God's like, don't do that. Christ is like, never stop anyone who's doing something in my name that is do, performing miracles. Don't do that because evil wouldn't perform those things. Yes. Christ does. The Holy yes. Spirit does. So don't stop people. And Christ and Paul spoke so many times about women in, in ministry. I mean, there are so many women that I could list Priscilla, Phoebe, the three different Marys that did stuff in ministry. Yeah. Um, gosh, Junia, Junia. Oh my goodness. There's some controversy about that because, um, they, <laughs> they changed the name to a male name because they, yeah. they didn't believe that it could be possible that a woman could be an actual apostle. Yep. She was a female apostle, but it didn't make sense to men. So they put an S on the end. So it became a male version of the name. There is so much that you can learn in the word of God that shows that women are in leadership. Women are doing exactly what God has called men to do. There isn't a hierarchy that says you're allowed to go here, but no more. Men have broken through the glass ceiling of the curse, but women haven't. So they're, they're held back over here. No, that's not true. So besides reading books, I would say, get into the word and see what Christ says about you and how, um, Christ has used women. I mean, here's the two most profound things. Mm -hmm. Christ used two women to be the first to share his good news. He, he did it at the, for the woman at the well, she had all these things that were going on and Christ called her out and said, now you get to be the one that goes and preaches to Samaria about me. Yeah. You get to be the one to tell the story, not a man. Yeah. And then the greatest of all stories, when Christ himself rose from the dead, he had apostles that were male that he could have hung around Mm -hmm. and waited for. He had his own timeline. He could have sat there and waited Uh until somebody came. Yeah. But instead, he gave his message to Mary, who had such a low opinion of herself Mm. and such a second, I'm, I'm less than kind of you gave that message to her and said, go tell them all. Yeah. I have risen Tell, share my good news. The good news that we tell people all the time that they should be delivering. He yeah. gave to Mary. He could have waited for any man, Yeah, but he needed all of us women to see that a female was chosen 
to give the very first sermon about his good news. Absolutely. Not because he was trying to put women above men, but because he was trying to show the world that women have just as much authority to do these things as men do. Yeah, absolutely. So hold on to that. Absolutely. And I love to, I shared it in our chat, Psalm 68, 11 and 12. When I read this, I was like, dang, it's so clear here that women do carry the word. And it says the Lord announces the word and the women who proclaim it are a mighty throng. Kings and armies flee in haste and the women at home divide the plunder. I just yes. love that passage, Psalm 68. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of that, Sarah. Um, I feel like there's there's still more misnomers that we could probably address. So you listeners, if there's like a, a lie that you feel like that you've been believing or something that you've been taught in church, maybe you're not convinced it's a lie, but something that you've been taught in church that limits women, why don't you leave me a voice memo? If you're listening on Spotify, you can leave, leave me a voice memo and ask a question about it. Or you can come find me on Instagram at Java with Jen and send me a message. Or you could come check out Sarah on her Instagram platform, which the handle is Pastor Sarah Jane. Pastor Sarah on Instagram is Pastor Sarah Jane Ho. Pastor Sarah Jane Ho. And you can go find her on Instagram. You can shoot her a message as well. Um, but otherwise, go check out Sarah, Pastor Sarah Jane.com. Pastor Sarah Jane. Okay. I'm going to put all the links in the, in the show notes. And then actually Sarah, if you can send me the list of those books that you just rattled off, like that was a whole bunch of really good ones. I will drop that list in the show notes as well. That way you who are listening, if you're like, Hey, I really want to connect with those and I didn't write it down. And how do I find those? Then I'll put it in the show notes. You can go find them more easily and go check it out on Amazon. Um, but Sarah, thanks so much for coming on here and, and sharing with me and sharing with my listeners and just kind of, we're scratched the tip of the iceberg. There's so much to be said about this topic, yes. but I think you did a great job really pulling some things up by the roots. And so thank you so much for your time. Yeah. Thank you so much, Channel Listen, this is my favorite thing to talk about. So if anybody ever wants to ask the questions, I am all ears and I would love to have the conversation with them. So thank you for letting me be with you today. Absolutely. You guys go check her stuff out online and otherwise make sure that wherever you listen to podcasts that you hit that subscribe button. And what that'll do is make sure you get a notification whenever a new episode goes up so that you don't miss anything. And otherwise make sure and share this episode on social media or share it with some friends. Because if you have some women who have a passion to teach the word of God, but have felt limited based on church beliefs, they may really need what is in this episode and they may need one of those books that we share. And so share this with a friend or three and come follow me on Instagram at Java with Jen and we will see you guys next week. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. Listen, let's stay connected. Come follow me on Instagram at Java with Jen where you can follow the latest and say, hey, it's a really great way to stay in touch. Many of you have also asked how you can support the show. You can make donations through the Anchor app or on Patreon, or of course, by sharing, rating, and reviewing on social media and iTunes as well. Your heartfelt feedback always reminds me why I do this. Also, don't miss our merch store where you can get super cool Java with Jen swag and coffee. Find it at javawithjenmerch.com. Until next time, remember... Hearing God's voice is simple, and He wants to be a part of your everyday life. See you next week.